0: Hello, I'm Rob Buckingham and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, episode 75. Each week we dig deep into topics and questions to discover what the scriptures say. Today I'm joined by my Jewish friend Tal to chat about the scriptures from a Hebrew perspective. We'll discuss what we can learn from the story of Jacob wrestling with God. Can a woman be a rabbi? And what are we to make of God giving Saul an evil spirit? But first, why do many Jews not consider Jesus to be the Messiah? Let's find out. Right now, I want to introduce um, a very dear friend of mine who we, we, we don't catch up in person very much, but we catch up on Zoom uh, fairly regularly. And I've got to say, I always enjoy our interactions together. Um, Tal is Jewish and um, by, by faith as well as ethnicity and we end up having great conversations, particularly about the scriptures that Jews and Christians share in common. And so with that in mind, uh, let me welcome Tal Spinrad to the screen. God bless you and good evening.
1: Good evening. I, I just want to tell you one thing. I, I just was maybe I'm just because I'm becoming old hat at this as it were that I noticed your the the lead in and the, the clips without, without verbal dialogue the clips of you you're just so animated that it, 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 but half of them half of them i mean you're so passionate but you're like this passionate fisherman because it's like it was this big The fish <laughs> was this big, and they try to get away and it, it's it's just really it's it's very refreshing it's very nice it makes me oh, feel thank you. it makes me feel like in a very Jewy environment because you know, wow. we're talking with our hands and stuff
0: like that. That's right. I reckon if, if someone tied my hands behind my back, I wouldn't be able to say anything. I think maybe I'm yeah. part yeah. Jewish and part Italian. You know what I mean? That kind of Mediterranean. Thing going
1: on. Keep it in Mediterranean.
0: Well, I certainly do. I mean, I hail from the northern hemisphere, so maybe that's part of it. Um mm-hmm. one day I'll do that. You can do the ancestry dot com um uh, DNA or blood sample, I think, can't you? And they tell you that you X percent this and, pers- you know, all that kind of stuff. So I should do that one day. I'm probably, I'm probably part Viking as well, um, being from that part of the world. Anyway, Tal, we've got lots of questions and I have – there's no pressure on getting through all of these questions. We'll just see how we go. And uh, I want to have you um, on at least, you know, once a term. Uh, so you've been on once this year already. and and um, So this first question, by the way, uh, kind of continues on from our last discussion. And if you missed that discussion, by the way, you'll find it uh, it is episode 65 of Digging Deeper. So you can listen to the whole discussion between myself and Tal uh, on Digging Deeper, episode 65. So this question, can you explain more about your answer from last time about why Jesus is not considered to be the messiah what is it about his character that is thought to disqualify him with many jews i mean i know there are messianic jews who believe that jesus is the jewish messiah but in your opinion why is jesus not considered the messiah what is it about him that disqualifies him in your mind
1: um well first you use the magic word which was opinion yeah um you know that, that it's it's it's. First of all, let's 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 dispel uh, any because there was a uh, not negative uh, implication in in the follow-up question, but a how shall I say a a a almost hurt feeling.
0: Yeah. So what is it about his character about that would character disqualify character. him? Yeah.
1: Character. Nothing about his character. Right. But but I know I know a ton of decent, very righteous people. Um well maybe a half ton. But I mean, nevertheless, I you know, we all have our off days. It's just it's not it's not within the the whole Christian concept of messiah is not anywhere in the jewish reality that that um you know to have someone uh, someone that is simultaneously human and deity uh someone that is offspring not derived from from God, from from you know the spark, the sacred spark, or something like that. Not having someone that fixes everything, as it were. If you believe in Jesus, then uh, redemption is is possible. All, none of those concepts are Judea concepts. So 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 let's put it this way: we are not necessarily we're not necessarily we there's that pronoun we me and someone else we uh as jews are not dismissing jesus the individual as as a redeemer what we are uh, is that we do not believe in the christian concept of messiah okay so it wouldn't matter it, 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 it wouldn't matter what Jesus did. It wouldn't matter, you know. It wouldn't matter. Uh, it, it's not our tradition has a different, uh, a different uh, concept, a different playing out of what a Mashiach is.
0: So, and in so, a nutshell, what would that be?
1: In a nutshell, in a nutshell, it is. Um, we as a, as a people, and when I say people, I don't mean Jews, I mean all humans. Right. Uh, work, we work together to create a, 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 to create a culture on, in, in our existence, right, on Earth, that makes it possible that it's within spitting range of getting of having world peace and world cooperation all right so we can as close as we possibly can to healing the cosmic the interpersonal the intimate rifts that we have between us and the planet us and each other us in terms of individuals us in terms of nations and at that point there is a human totally human leader who is able to be a facilitator. That person's not bringing an age. That person is facilitated being a coordinator, admin,
0: (laughs) you know. So so, on a local level, that is much more doable, isn't it? So you and I, each of us have um, agency to be able to seek peace in our daily relationships with friends family those we come in contact with other drivers on the road and so on when you look at the global picture of course we're we're not doing well we're not doing great at all because there's so much pain and suffering and war and but you know there's there's the you know there's,
1: there's, there's there's the saying that you know think globally act locally so yep. I mean you do I mean you do what you can and, and and in essence one of one of the theological differences between Judaism and Christianity is that that we don't put really a whole lot of um, a whole lot of stock in faith that 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 we creed is not that it is not the thing it's deed it's what you do so in other words if you're an atheist and you don't believe in god whatsoever although mind you mind you the atheist and the uh, orthodox in any religion have incredible common ground because they're both obsessed with god different directions
0: <laughs> yes, but so true god yeah yeah the fact
1: is, is that we believe that if you act in a righteous way no matter what you believe in you are uh you are uh bringing us closer to where the world is healed yeah. and and it's um you know we don't necessarily we're not like we're not waiting for mashiach we're not wait there are there are sects that that Yes, that give voice to that, but yep. even they are not waiting. the The key in Judaism is to act in order to heal the world. That's sure. what uh, the the concept of mitzvah is, which uh, is loosely translated into commandment, but it more means just how do you work? How do you walk through this life?
0: And yeah, if beautiful. you walk
1: through this, you know that that everything is, uh, uh, you know, we have responsibility for our actions. That's both individually and communally. Yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, to come back to the origin, to come back to the original question, because because I mean, it is, and, and mind you, it's a great and timeless question. That I will, I'm in a second I'm going to turn it on you. Uh, all right. All right. In a good way, in a good loving way. That that. Um, basically the question is why, what, what, what about Jesus have you rejected?
0: Me I mean, personally.
1: And, you know, and, and, and the fact is, is that we don't, it, 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 it does not fit into our scheme. And we do not agree with the with the concept, but the Judaic the Hebraic um, um, vision of this is in fact I said, in our very first I, I was on uh, a, one of your television podcasts with a very wonderful in fact I think her name was Sarah Muslim woman yes and you got, we were doing and I, and I was putting, it doesn't matter to us whether, and I'm not associating Jesus with a refrigerator, but but it doesn't matter to us who or what you worship, how you worship, what form your spirituality takes. If it makes you a more compassionate person and be able to live with your fellow human beings and everything within creation with more harmony, we are all for it. So we are not, there is a significant difference between rejecting someone and, 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 and saying it's okay for you, but we follow a different path. And I think that that is at the, the reason why it's a great question and it's phrased in a great, honest, and very courageous way by your community member is that, is that it, it, it gets the real seed about how we can disagree with each other about scaffolding, but we can still be on the same wavelength in terms of what buildings we're building.
0: Yeah. I like um, one of the things that you said a moment ago um, which which really resonates is um, the the difference between deed and creed. And I think sometimes we Christians get very hung up on creed. Um, it's all about what you believe, and if you believe right and you tick all the belief boxes, you can then belong. When I look at the person of Jesus in the Gospels, for example, I see him putting deed out front. In fact, mm-hmm. you know, one of, one of his most um, extensive teachings that's recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew is uh, known as the Sermon on the Mount, and there's not there's nothing to believe in there. It's all about how we live, it's all mm-hmm. about how we act, it's all about how we bring heaven to earth, or hell to earth. Right. Um, uh, as you as you read those three chapters, Matthew um, chapters five, six, and seven. That's that's what it's all about. I'm I'm just conscious of time tell, and I and I it's want to. I don't want us to get bogged down on just one question because there's so many things that i'd like to touch on so this one um and look really you could make this a yes no question but can a woman be a rabbi yes okay that surprises me because i always had it in my head that you had to be a man to be a rabbi so just just fatten your answer out just a little bit there just out of interest. are you
1: see. You see, you, see you, 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 you know, there's the fisherman thing. You know, you lure me in with saying, here's an opportunity that you're not going to be, have to be long-winded, Tal. And then you go, well, that's it. By the
0: way. <laughs> yes. all, right, all
1: right, all right. Ultra, uh, orthodox, orthodox. Orthodox, orthodox. You have to be a man to be a rabbi, but you could be a Rebbe which is the counterpart all right and it's a little bit uh, for all you americans out there it's a little bit jim crow you know it's like separate but equal but not really right however the further like if if you have you have i can't you have the the you know the ultra-orthodox which you can't you need to be a man but the minute you get out of that, there's there's conservative and reform and progress. There's a lot of women. A lot. That's a that's a. There is a significant number of women rabbis, and there's a a there's a significant number of women uh, leaders of lay congregations. So being there is nothing there is nothing that says other than this is the way that it's always been that says you have to be a man to be a rabbi
0: interesting yeah there's nothing in the scriptures that i can think of um that would prohibit a woman from uh teaching and preaching there there's a couple of verses in the new testament when you wrench them out of their context uh and and the the reformed and conservative parts of christianity Will do that. They'll wrench these verses out of context and then say, "There you go. The Bible says that a woman can't speak, preach, teach, etc., uh, or have authority over a man." Um, but we've dealt with that in another episode of mm-hmm. um, of digging deeper.
1: Let's put it to rest. That that along with along with what we're learning about you know the fluidity of gender and identity and all that type of thing. That 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 our roles within the community can we have the question is can we have enough confidence in our tradition to be able to be fluid and accept change because change can be very good and an expanse of viewpoints always enriches a tradition
0: yeah and you need to be humble to embrace change as well you need to be able to say you know what i don't know everything Maybe what I've always thought or believed was incorrect in some ways. Um, there are always new things that we can learn and embrace, and uh, I think that our faith and our relationship with God has has, has always got to be uh, meandering, growing, developing, deepening—all of those adjectives and a whole lot more uh, should describe. Right, L- Life it's, it's, with a living it's a God. Verb.
1: It's a verb. It's not a noun, it's a verb.
0: And you are it's correct. Ever,
1: it's ever-changing. It, you know, ever and what, what people, especially people who are ultra-Orthodox, or very conservative, what they don't understand is the more you feel that things have to be the way they are, is that you're trivializing it. You're lacking, you're lacking dare I say it, the faith that your tradition and the way that people are thinking can possibly withstand the discomfort of change and change should have a, an element of discomfort, but that doesn't mean it's wrong.
0: Absolutely. In fact, I think it's, there should be that level of discomfort. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, if, if what we expect when we visit a church, uh, when we're part of a church community or a synagogue is uh-huh. to hear a message that simply confirms everything i already know what's the point Mm -hmm. if i if i'm if i'm not hearing something that makes me go hmm wow i've never thought about that before or i'm not sure if i agree with that but i'm going to go and dig deeper and do a little bit more study on that if we're not hearing stuff like that what's the point and I know Christians who just, they'll leave a church to go to another church because they disagree with something that they've heard or seen at one congregation. And they just want to find a place where everything they already know and believe is talked about and addressed. So that there's, then, then is very little challenge. And I don't think there's any growth in that environment either. What's the point?
1: The great, the great, uh, the great rabbi, Rabbi Heschel, I, uh, used to say that the 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 defining characteristic of humans that, that allows us to even approach the sacred is the the element that we're able to be surprised and 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 that's and and surprise is is a non-value judgment because you can be surprised in a very negative way as well and it can be it can be yeah. a very uncomfortable thing But it's something, you know, everyone deserves a place that they can be suckered and they can be, they can feel safe and they, you know, things that are expected and they're cuddled and stuff like that. But not 100% of the time. If that was the case, we would have never left the womb.
0: True. Yeah. Or attempted to climb back up. As soon as we were born, yeah, hey, let's get on to the next question, sure. and um, and this is from Kirsten. She said, I'm reading 1 Samuel at the moment, and in chapter 15, the Lord says twice the, that he regrets appointing Saul king. So I'll read these verses, Tal, because mm-hmm. I think it's important that we get the, the context of the story. So this is 1 Samuel 15, verses 10, 11, and 35. Then mm-hmm. the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Verse 35, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So Kirsten says, my curiosity lies in the concept of the Lord having regrets when he knows the beginning from the end. I'd love to hear your understanding in this pondering, God plus regret. Equals puzzled and curious. Your thoughts?
1: Um, should I be should I be answering someone who's binging Doctor Who? <laughs> uh, you know, spoilers. Um, the listen. There's a whole myriad of arguments uh, back and forth about who. First of all uh samuel is not part of the torah all right sam it's it's they're all part of the tanakh it's the bible
0: yes yes but it's
1: not the first five books
0: it's all part of scripture there's
1: level upon level upon level about who wrote what and who you know and and all this type of stuff it's always been my feeling that that sacred text is god inspired and even in certain parts god created but witnessed and written down by human beings
0: you would have no argument for me on anything you have just said please continue right
1: so 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 is the is the issue is the issue for your community member the fact that God is regretting something yes. which implies that God is infallible not infallible because if you regret, Just explain
0: that a little bit. Yeah,
1: if you regret something, you have done something that didn't turn out right. Yes. So God, opposed, uh, you know, appointed Saul, right, and and it did. According to this narrative, it did not turn out right. So God made a mistake.
0: Possibly, and that's, that's. I guess that's the inference. I mean, that's, yes.
1: You know, I mean, that's the literal, the, the little, the, the consequences. If you, if I, if I appoint someone to something, you know, and I say, you know, you're going to run that, uh, that Bunnings, <laughs> you know, I'm appointing you in manager Bunnings and the Bunnings goes bust. All right. I made a mistake of trusting that person Yep. to, to run it. So the fundamental, the fundamental discomfort is that we have to make a choice here. We either have to make a choice that there is a human element in the text, in, in terms of articulating the text, or that God actually uh, is 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 actually feels that that they made a mistake. Yeah. So and that's, that's a big deal. Because you know God, God's God, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but also God, God. Um, if we have free will, God has to be able to withdraw, and there's got to be an element of uh, on on the level that we are cognitive of 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 sequence and time being linear. Now, time does not, in reality, time does not have to be linear. So, because God could be up outside of time. Yeah. And see it through, right? And see to the end and the end product. But that doesn't mean that while God is witnessing that moment in the timeline that God could not feel regret. The bigger question is why? Why would God feel regret? It's, 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 you know, I mean, first of all, this is a loaded question for me because I'm a big King fan, Okay. Because, because the whole, because God, he, the King did go to other, you know, to other um, sources to try to help his people. But according to my interpretation, that's after God had turned his back. Yeah, On him. So Saul is one of these guys that his duty of care, and I think that he, in terms of the narrative, if you play it out, this, it get, this gets bared out. His duty of care is not to God. His duty of care is to people who are, who are below him, that he is a steward of, that he's supposed to take care of. And that's an interesting, you know, concept. I, I mean, you know, do we, if we are like, if we are ordered, like, if we believe that Abraham was ordered to sacrifice his son, right, by God, to offer up his son, I don't necessarily, it's a good, I don't think it's a good thing, a good deal as character that, that Abraham might have gone through with that.
0: Oh, absolutely. But yeah. just 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 back on Saul so we don't get too sidetracked here. Um the Lord regretted. I'm wondering, and this is mm-hmm. as I'm reading and pondering on these verses personally, I'm wondering is that God gives all of us opportunity. And right. but and sometimes we do well with the opportunities that we're given, but other times we don't now god knew full well when he gave rob buckingham the calling to pastoral ministry for example and led me to plant a church 31 years ago that i would i would do lots of things well and uh, but i would also make some significant mistakes through that time and i am i know that that comes as a shock right but yep Plenty of mistakes during that time, and I'm wondering if that word regret there, rather than "oh, gee, I wish I'd never uh, called Rob to be a pastor and asked him to pioneer a church." God knew full well all the things I would do well, all the things mistakes I would make, and 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 everything in between. But th- there's a measure of I really wish Rob hadn't acted in that way. I wonder if that's what regret could mean there so he called saul Uh, to be king but then there was saul made some massive errors and uh and that regret is i really wish saul hadn't done that
1: um then don't make human beings the way they are i mean that's that's my answer my my answer my answer is that I don't think regret, I think regret, if, if that's, I'll, I'll, I will go in and, and, and do some studying and stuff, at, at you know, okay. later. But regret sounds like an editorial comment. Regret, and this is where we, someone used that word as opposed to saddened. Or I'm as alive. opposed to, as opposed to, you know why. He 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 messed up, but but the reason why he messed up makes me love him more. I mean it's it's you know there are times there are times that you know this as a parent, there are times that you have to allow your kids to make the mistakes for themselves. And as long as those mistakes are not made with with preemptive mean spiritedness, mm. And their heart is in the right place. People just have to go through stuff. They just have to go through stuff. So my question is that I would question the word regret. That if you change that into saddened, or if you change that into uh, any number of different things, it completely changes the flavor of, of, of you know, of the mm. passage.
0: Yeah. Okay, I like that. We'll we'll park that there and maybe you and I both do a little bit of digging on that word regret and see what we come up with. Yeah, the exact translation. We hope you're enjoying this Digging Deeper podcast and finding help understanding the Bible and how it applies to life. Here at Digging Deeper, we'd appreciate your help letting others know about this podcast. One way to do this is by rating and reviewing the podcast on iTunes. And please like Rob Buckingham's public figure page on Facebook. You can interact with us there and ask questions you'd like Rob to answer in future episodes of Digging Deeper. Now back to Rob. Tal, next question. This is still in 1 Samuel, um, uh, the book of 1 Samuel. This time it's chapter 16. And I'll read these verses again so that we can get the understanding of the story. Now, the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendants said to him, see, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you and you will feel better. Whenever the spirit from God (coughs) came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul he would feel better and the evil spirit would leave him the question is this how did a perfectly good god give somebody an evil spirit tell i'm sorry
1: uh, uh, well first off first off my the first impression is that who spin doctors wrote uh, you know uh, interpreted that because keep in mind that, that when we get to the ne- Nevi'im, right, the prophets, uh, that this is, the, there is a whole lot of political intrigue. Uh, it's, 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 it does not, it does not, um, uh, it does not bow down to any Shakespearean political intrigue at all. It is just as spicy and just as violent and just as everything else. And and this is this is clearly, you know, something that this this passage is something that people who are supporters of David would clearly agree with. Right. Because Saul has fallen from grace, as it were. And the only one that can that can help him out is David. Right. With his, you know, magical, magical music and stuff. How in, how, can, how can a God we claim to be good and loving be the origin of anything that is other? Well, if we say that God is good, is good, then we are already contradicting uh, our concept of the deity.
0: Uh, Do you want because, to explain that a little bit further?
1: Because it's limiting. It's limiting if we believe that we have a creation right that incorporates a wide range of 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 stuff everything between absolute good to absolute evil it's all within you know all within all within creation mind you the, the the concept of good and evil is in creation, but it is exclusively the realm of human beings. There is nothing else in creation that you can describe as good or evil other than humans. I mean, a whale that eats a baby seal is not being evil. It's being how they were created, right? It is, it is yeah, doing, it being... what they, it's doing what they do. All right. Yeah. So if we're going to have if we're going to have um, uh, freedom, you know, uh, free will, then we have to have the free will to do evil or do, you know, the the tree of good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, right from Eden and stuff. That has to come from God. If we believe that God is the source of all being in the universe. By definition, there isn't an uh, so so in Judaism. There's no such thing as God created everything that's good, and Satan created everything that's evil. That that simply is not a concept. It it it's it's again, if it point if you believe in that, and it points you in the in a direction that makes you more compassionate and and stuff like that then fantastic but both you and I rob know that 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 is a slippery slope because because what happens is if you disagree with someone and you consider them evil they are people of satan while you have god on your side yeah as opposed to both drinking from uh, both picking from the same tree and, and if you're picking from the same tree, then we have common roots and there's common ground and stuff like that. But if you can put that barrier up there, so how can, so how, so with you specifically, the original question is, how do we, how, how do we resolve or reconcile that, that God can, is, is the origin of, 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 of an evil urge or something like
0: that. Yeah. It's interesting, uh, actually, because I, I checked out the the Hebrew, um, mm-hmm. um, as little as I don't know Hebrew, but Bible Hub is a wonderful resource. Yeah. And it talks there about the divine spirit producing a frenzied state of agitation that was calmed in some way by music, which which I think is a, a wonderful truth because – we we all experience um, certain types of music. It might be different to you than it is for me, but um, certain types of music calm our, our mind. So I was feeling a little agitated today, for example, about a couple of things. I picked up Trinity, our youngest daughter, and I was listening to Christian worship music in the car, and normally I'll let her pick her music, and I said, no, I'm just listening to this. And she said, why? And I said, because it's... It, I'm finding it calming and, and I'm finding it helpful. And mm-hmm. so I reflected on that with regard to David's experience here with Saul. So whenever David would play his music, Saul's agitation was calmed.
1: Let me go to the regret comment again. Okay.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: What if we change? What if we change "calmed" into "pacified"? Yep. They pacified him. That's a completely different thing. So, because keep in mind that that David David is trying to overthrow Saul. Yes. Right. He's trying to take over. It's the new order, right? He's trying to take you know over. And the king is not happy about that and he's agitated. All right. And well, he should be. The point is, is that there are times, there are times to be agitated and there are times not to be agitated. And that's a very tricky dance because that's, that's the dance that we have with, um, you know, oppressive governments. Or, or, or in any relationship that might or might not be abusive, that, that there's a time that, that being agitated is the correct response. And That's we right. have to look at the motive behind someone who is trying to either calm or pacify us. Because calming us means that we want you. Um, I, we want, calming means that we want you to 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 be able to be healthy. Pacify means we want you to subdue what is what is creating a agitation inside of you. Now, a good example, good everyday example of that is when I was teaching um, early childhood education and, and, you know, kids would have to, at, at times kids would have separation anxiety, right? And they'd be agitated and they'd, they'd cry and stuff like that. And the majority of adults around them were trying to get, you know, don't be sad, don't be this, don't be that, right? And they were trying to pacify the kid. And the reason is, is that they were uncomfortable with the agitation that the child was going through. It had nothing to do what was good for the kid. All right. And what that teaches is that being agitated, being angry, being anything that we perceive as a negative emotion gets suppressed. Because the community is saying it's not okay. It's we in a lot of religious communities, the correlation to that is that you're upset. Let's find all the things you should be grateful for. Huh, yes. All right. Now, yep. now that's not that's just making the person feel guilty about being upset. Maybe their 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 spouse has just died, or they've been wrong. Well, they should be upset. Yep. It's a human natural thing. The idea is to sit with the person. The calming thing is to allow them in a safe way to process through it and then allow them to do it. Now the question is what from how you read it's back to what we were saying about our relationship with the text. How we perceive David playing music to the king and and making him not agitated we bring our own baggage you know is david looking out for the king or is david just trying to pacify him so he can roll over and become king
0: that's fascinating because when you consider that mini story in the larger story that's exactly Mm -hmm. what was happening
1: yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I mean if,
0: if I knew there was someone sitting in front of me and they, and they wanted my job, for example, then it, you would have it, to pacify me, right? <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it, Judaically speaking, I'm going to shock your listeners, okay? The story is much more deeper and much more intimate than that because Saul takes David in, all right? He is, he is welcomed within his family. And David has sexual relationships with all of Saul's kids, men and women, boys and girls. All right? Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with any individual of that relationship. But it's the fact that he's sleeping around and he's showing the kids such disrespect in that way. Because he is an incredibly... He's like a cult leader. He's an incredible charismatic Beautiful, you know, poet, singer. He's like Jim Morrison of the Doors, right? He's 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 an unbelievable, iconic figure, right? And he's play, he's making power plays with the kids of the king in order to destabilize the king's reign, and and that's why he's agitated. I mean, it's bad enough that David wants to take his crown. But he's messing around with his kids.
0: Wow! And say, so "Don't worry we, about
1: it. Let me play you a song." <laughs> yeah.
0: No. See, I mean, that's that's a fascinating um, context to that to that story. And I think any one of us as parents would be pretty agitated if mm-hmm. uh, somebody was doing that, you know, to our kids. And
1: then, and then, I want any any if any of you folks married out there, right? And your spouse gets really rightfully agitated, not that Christy would ever get agitated, you, but get agitated very rightfully. And you came back and you said, just calm down. Oh, that would go over really well with an Irish woman.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, you, I mean, you just don't say that. I wouldn't yeah. say that to anyone. we That's it, actually a bit of a joke in our family when someone gets mm-hmm. up tired says, well, just calm down, you know, or snap out of it or cheer yourself up or something like that, which are all let stupid me play, things let me play that before. people say. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's right. Let me play. All right, that's that's really, really interesting. I think we've got time for one more, Tal. We've got about… Excellent. Just about, say, eight minutes. Um, Selena asks, I was reading the story of when God wrestles with Jacob and Jacob wins and gets a blessing, but God has to dislocate Jacob's hip joint for some reason. It's found in Genesis 32. And so once again, I'm going to read this story. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak, like, you know, some sort of um, vampire that couldn't stand the sunlight. But uh, Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. And he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, Peniel, um, saying it is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. And so Selina continues in the English translation, it just seems like a strange event that hasn't been explained very well. I was wondering what the Hebrew teaching on this strange but meaningful event is.
1: All right. I'm going to tell you a secret and I'm going to tell you the truth. It's a strange event that is open to limitless interpretations. The fact is, is that, is that, that, The bigger, um, I'll come back to it in a second. Okay. I know it's like now six and a half minutes. The, um, if you are going to read text, give up on the idea that there's going to be a definitive answer. All right. The beauty in it is that the text is a jumping off point. Where you can argue back and forth, and there could be multiple realities. It's kind of like an original, multiple, multiverse type of situation. The fact is, you do not really know who he's wrestling with. We suppose that it's in a dream state, which means that all physical laws do not pertain. Okay? He could be wrestling, remember, he is at. The banks of a river on the other side of the river is esau who who he has been estranged with and the last time they were together he was esau was going to say he was going he was going to kill him yeah all right so this is this is like his moment of reckoning right and in the middle of the night this happens we do not know it's another dream state all right so it could be he's wrestling with himself because of his conscience so my advice is go and pursue that path for a little bit. He could be wrestling with a malach, with an angel. Go and pursue that. Say how you know, he could be wrestling with God. He could be re- wrestling with a specter of Esau. Right? He could be wrestling with anyone. All right. When he when they finish and he's asking for the blessing, the traditional way, if you're going to have a new page in your life is that one of the ways to easily do that easily on the surface easily is to change the name. You change the name of your business, the synagogue, the church, whatever, or yourself. You change your name. And the name literally means one who wrestles, strives, argues, has a thing with God. All right. And, and, and what's, Profoundly important or should be profoundly important to the reader or the listener to the story is why is it so important to get a certainty of answer about a situation that by nature does not have a certainty of answer. What about the uncertainty of this scenario makes you uncomfortable because there's no definitive answer and how that reflects how real life is. There are very few definitive answers in life. How is this going to pan out? How is this, if I do this, is there a definitive answer to that? No. We are not mathematical equations. We're human beings. And if the more comfortable, in a way, a lot of the stories in scripture are lab training grounds that if we can live with that uncertainty, with that fluidity, with that, 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 that nature of, of relationship that changes every day, the more we can get used to being able to dance that dance, the more comfortable we will be in our skin in everyday life. And that's that's the lesson of the Bible. Not necessarily yeah. don't eat this, do eat that, but how can we live with the uncertainty that that haunts our every day?
0: Yeah. I love that you've you've shared a number of different pathways that we could go in sitting with that text, and I would encourage you to um, to do what Tal is saying there—to read those scriptures um, and to sit with the text and and to explore the different avenues
1: that, that Tal
0: has mentioned. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, don't limit it
1: to the only one I said.
0: Yeah, and you've said to me on many occasions, the, the, the Bible is a book of questions more than it is a book of answers. And after you've read the scriptures, you may have more questions than you started with, and that's actually the purpose of it. Yes.
1: But people uncomfortable And I'm sorry if they're – and they're not wrong for being uncomfortable, but that is the nature of life. That is a nature of life that is open-ended, and can, can you can be surprised and deeply gutted at the same time? Uh, yeah. It's just it, it, it's not right. It's not wrong. It just is.
0: Tal, it's been wonderful as always. Thank you for your time. Uh,
1: thank you. It's always been a pleasure. Thank you, community, for so much. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. A new episode of Digging Deeper is out every Wednesday. If you like this podcast, please share it with others and rate and review us on iTunes. That goes a long way to help others find us. If you have a question or topic you'd like Rob to address, please get in touch with us at Rob Buckingham's public figure Facebook page or email connect at baysidechurch.com.au. Next week, Pastor Rob will answer the question, why was God born as a man and not a woman? He'll also investigate the I Am statements made by Jesus. All that and more on next week's episode of Digging Deeper.